Hello everyone and welcome to Clarity, a podcast series designed to create a safe space for conversations and reflections. I'm your host, Janvi Gurja, a curious people observer, an executive coach and co-founder of Vital Science Advisory. In today's episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Avani Prashan and she is all of 17 years old. Avani is India's golf prodigy. She is the highest ranked amateur golfer from India in the world. She's ranked 62. She's also the first Indian golfer to win the Queen Siriket Cup in the 43-year history of the tournament. Additionally, Avani has become the first Indian golfer to win on the Ladies' European Access Tour. Before I go on to say more, I think it is time to welcome Avani to this podcast. Welcome to Clarity, Avni. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. You know, when I um, when I first decided that uh, we would like to invite you to Clarity and my team and I were ta- talking about it, what struck us was that um, here is this young person. When I say young, it just means that somebody who's still in school, mm-hmm. somebody who's got so many ideas and the yeah. world is so full of opportunities. And yet... Here is someone who's very clear of what she wants to do. So it intrigued us just to understand what's in that mind of yours and that amazing mind of yours and just wanted to understand what is in it. So maybe for the next, um, you know, minute, few minutes over here, let's just get down to understanding how you do what you do, mm-hmm. as well as what are your dreams, what are your visions and what makes you this amazing child prodigy? Um, so I started playing golf when I was three years, 10 months old. Uh, from the start, um, we've been very process-oriented. And I think that's really helped because there was not even one day when I used to go for practice and I didn't know what was happening. So I think, you know, seeing constant um, progress after every practice session really helped. And that's how I've gone about. And that's how um, golf just became more and more interesting as I grew up. And that's how I go about it. And then my goals for the future, for this year, obviously it's not over yet. So I want to get into the top 50 in the world. I have mm-hmm. one more very big event left before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next um, goal is to uh, represent India in the Olympics um, and hopefully win a gold for India. Okay. And along the way, as I um, get older, the ultimate goal is to really inspire a lot of young girls and boys to take up this wonderful sport. I think it's kind of looked at as a boring sport. It's really not mm-hmm. because it teaches you so many life skills um, along the way. And yeah, I mean, it's a sport you can play up till you're very, very old. And I would just love to play my part in making India a sporting superpower. Superb, superb. I I get, I can pick up on that immense energy that you have. Avni, but I'm going to go back to that part when you said you were three years, 10 months old. Okay. Who introduced you to golf? Um, so I was always someone that loved playing outdoors. I never mm-hmm. liked staying home, playing with dolls and stuff. So uh, dad was also a very outdoorsy person and I love spending time with him still do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he wanted to teach my granddad how to play golf and granddad 
ironically considered golf to be an old man sport when he was also an old man mm-hmm. and yeah so dad wanted to take him out um, to teach him and there i was jumping all around him because anytime he went somewhere i wanted to go along with him and mm-hmm. at first he told me you know that you're just 3 years and months old how can you take a absolute child to a golf course mm-hmm. and he, but then my granddad was like why don't you listen to her maybe she's trying to send you a sign and in my family i come from a family of uh, prodigies mm-hmm. so uh, we have a couple of music prodigies at home and that's why my granddad was like maybe she's trying to send you a sign and mm-hmm. then they took me along uh, put a junior club in my hand dad taught me the basics and then um, you know he watched me hit for a little bit and it did actually look like i had been swinging that club forever mm-hmm. and then asked his coach to come and take a look at me and then um, teach me the basics and then he did 5 hours later they went for a uh, round together 5 hours later i was still on the driving range practicing and hitting balls and i didn't even let my caddy take a bathroom break wow wow so that was your first yes. love yes. right golf great and here you are what 14 years later still passionately in love with the sport mm-hmm. good fantastic give me two words by which you describe golf apart from the fact that it's your life right now what are the other two words by which you describe golf uh i think um lifelong mm-hmm. teachings come from it mm-hmm. and also something you can never get perfect at it's just yeah and and does that rattle you because you can't get perfect at it no i think it inspires me a lot because i can never be content with what i've done even mm-hmm. after a good tournament i will sit back and analyze okay maybe this could have been a little bit better mm-hmm. so i think um that way there's n- there's no ever thinking that okay i can't work on this and that's what makes golf so fun that you can always go out and there's just going to be something to work on but the irony of it is um you know the spectator can never understand that that's such a challenging game compared to football or compared to you know watching hockey um or watching athletes sprinting you'd think that all the adrenaline is in that and then you'd wonder this is so calm this is almost like playing chess one would never understand so somebody like me yeah. i don't think i could ever understand but listening to you i'm trying to visualize that mm-hmm. so so thank you for that um, which brings me to my next question you know and says that in the 14 years that when you were growing up okay was there any point where you were tempted to say that okay let me be like the rest of the kids you know just carefree and happy I mean being on the golf course makes me very happy. I don't think there's anything that I could do that would make me as happy as I am. And honestly, I'm going to a country, a new country each week playing the sport I love. I don't think mm-hmm. it gets better than that. Like I would not trade this for anything. Did you think other teenagers are envious of you? I they think that it's very fun. Mm-hmm. I I it is very fun, but at the same time it's just also so much hard work that goes behind it. I think that kind of gets overlooked at times just it seems very interesting when you're traveling to a new country but yeah, then it sounds exotic it just does. now when you said morocco spain <laughs> and i'm thinking wow yeah. what a lovely life she's got uh, yeah. but but so how do your friends uh, what do they say about you just in the teen lingo what do they say about you um that i'm having the time of my life i'm mm-hmm. very lucky that i'm outside of school mm-hmm. uh but i mean it's it's different it's different and it's a different type of tough i mean i can't compare myself to what they do they can't really relate to what i'm doing either mm-hmm. and what But, what is the common interest that keeps you bonded with classmates and friends um i think mainly with the boys because i've grown up playing football so i think just sport really binds me with a lot of them mm-hmm. and then in the girls um i've known a known a couple since 
I was six, seven, so we just have a lot of things to talk about. Frankly, I haven't been to school in forever, so my I heard that, but I also yeah. hear that you have aced your, you know, tenth standard exams, the board yes. exams. So how did you manage to balance academic excellence and golfing excellence? Well, um, so I've been in the same school, Greenwood High, since I was in second grade. Mm -hmm. um, the, my principal, who used to be there, Aloysius DeMello, he has been very, very supportive. When we first went, um, my dad and my mom had gone in to meet him, and then they had told him about me. And the, and the only thing that he said was, if we as a school don't nurture talent, then who mm -hmm. will? And I think that was so, so supportive of um, them to say. And then uh, every time I'm traveling, I have my mom helping me, and then... Mm -hmm. Um, she's getting notes from different people and she's really figuring that out. And then for my 10th grade, my sister was in the same school, did the same thing. So for mm -hmm. um, English, geography, history, she had the same portion. So she really helped me out. And that's what made my life a lot, lot easier because they gave me a very shortened version of what had to be done. So I think a mix of my mom and sister uh, and school, I think that's what's made it very, very easy, but just mainly mom and sister. Will you let me in on a small secret at home? You okay if I ask you? So since you're away so many times and you're not in school, so when you come back home, do you get treated like a VIP or do you also get caught up in sibling fights and people telling you, Avni, clean your room and don't do this? And don't, do you no, I mean, it's very, very normal at home. As soon as I get back, I'm just a 17-year-old child and that's how I like it to be. Uh, yeah. so, no, so nobody is treating you like a queen at home? And no, of course not. Uh, they're yelling and screaming at you for not doing? Yeah, yeah, of course. Fantastic. Yeah. So your sister doesn't give you any special treatment Nothing. beyond? Nothing. Nothing. Do you fight with her? A lot. Oh, good. <laughs> That's nice. That's normal. So so I'm going to come back here and, you know, um, ask you this question, okay? What does a good day in Avni's life look like? And what does an off day in Avni's life look like? Um, Good day, practice-wise, I would be up anywhere between 7 and 8 a.m. I would mm -hmm. have gym from 9 to 10 uh, then practice from 11 to 2 and then before going I would try and note down what I want to do for the day so when I land up on the golf course I'm not clueless and I'm not procrastinating and then um, finish everything that I have to for the day um, head back take some rest um, if I have some schoolwork to catch up on um, catch up on that and then um, basically after 8 8 30 uh, till about 10 I do whatever I want to do and that's a good day of practice that I go through. And off day, I think, would be if I've come back um, to the gym after two, three mm -hmm. weeks like I did today. Mm -hmm. um, next morning, I won't be feeling like it because I would have been very sore in the gym. Um, so I would not be feeling like doing too much. So I would take practice very light and it would just be a very lethargic day in general. Mm -hmm. And not something that I chose, but it just ends up being that way because I don't want to overdo the body. Mm -hmm. And then some days when I generally don't feel like going for practice I try my best to push myself a little bit mm -hmm. because um, there's a lot of lot of things to do in golf but on the days that I generally don't feel like it I try my best to sit back and relax because everyone deserves that kind of a day okay yeah. so I completely you know um, I'm awestruck by your ability to have this kind of discipline this diligence this rigor and this fabulous focus um, I don't think I would have had that kind of focus at your age. So, you know, complete submission and in appreciation to what you do. Thank you. Right? So um, now here, I, mean, I heard you a little while ago saying you want to win the Olympic gold in golf. So yes, we're all there for you and we're <laughs> going to root you. But tell me a little 
about what is the process, okay? What is the process that almost keeps you going in such a way, I'm not going to call it robotic, but I'm saying almost with such precision that eliminates any kind of thing saying, okay, today it's a great day, today there's a black cat who passed my path. You know, none of that, but where you're using data, where you're using science to support your performance. What is that process? Tell me about it because uh, it'll be very interesting for a lot of other young golfers as well as even the older golfers to take a leaf out of your book. So um, I've had this launch monitor called the GC mm-hmm. um, Quad for the last um, three years now. Before that, I had the GC2. And ever since I was seven years old, we've used a launch monitor because um, I think if you're tracking what you're doing, you will always know you're getting better because every day you have proof. Uh, so from a very young age, um, dad always got me something to um, track my progress on. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it's just become part of me now. I think every time I go to a new um, country, I have to use it because every time you go to a new country, depending on elevation, you gain and lose distance. Mm -hmm. So therefore, using that is very, very important. And then even before a round, it's a source of reassurance that everything is on track. And then, um, you know, I am hitting the ball fine. I'm confident and everything's going to be fine on the golf course from my end because I can only control what I can control. And if everything's going well from my end and I'm playing my game, I know it's good enough to beat the best in the world. And if I get this reassurance before, it just puts me in a very good mental space. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as data goes, that's how I've been using it. And then, you know, when it comes to, let's say, sharing with my coach as well. So I work remotely with my coach. He's from Mm -hmm. the UK. So I do lessons maybe once a month, Mm -hmm. two once in one and a half months. And the way that we've been working is me sending him data, him seeing it, everything's fine, great, go ahead, go play. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's been and it makes life very easy because it removes any debate between my dad, my coach and I about what's going wrong. And then another thing that I do is I enter my, so as soon as I finish a round, I enter my stats into this um, Indian app called Upgame. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very, very good app because it tells you in detail what has gone wrong and again removes the debate about anything Mm -hmm. that I would have thought that's gone wrong and maybe it's the total opposite. And that helps me for the next day to look at that, um, okay, so I've not done well in this aspect. I can go and practice after my round. And then I know the next morning that, okay, I've worked on this. So everything's good now. And then keep, and then I come back, enter it again. And then I see if that thing is improved. And yeah, and then I share it with my coach, share it with my dad. So therefore working with data has been very helpful because it just um, gives all of us a lot more clarity. And so that somewhere eliminated the debates or the kind Correct. of variance in thought that you yeah. and your father and your coach Correct. had. Now, I do believe and I understand that your father is a very, very integral part, not just as a father, but also as a mentor, as a, um, you know, a guide, a mentor and a very strong anchor in your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is that one single point where you and your dad disagree? <laughs> uh, well, um, good question. Let me think. <laughs> when we're on the driving range, there will be some part that we don't agree on for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He will think that I need to do something. I will think that I don't need to. So it's, and it's, what it's, does the launch monitor say at that point? Launch monitor. So I will. So he will first put the data in, in front of me. He'll say, mm-hmm. look. I will put the data back in front of him. I'll say, look. So it's mm-hmm. just like a constant debate we have. But otherwise, there's never really one 
particular thing we have a debate on we make a pretty good team so there's nothing fantastic yeah. fantastic great and and so given that okay what i also hear okay and this i had a conversation previously with your father and what he also said that you have among the um one of the finest long games in the world so mm-hmm. given the fact that you know if you look at it you're among the top 10 in the long game in the world which means which means that um you know for you achieving the number one golfer or being ranked one in the world doesn't have to be some distant dream right doesn't. it's something that can happen yes. around the corner yes one question one how far away from it are you and two why do you think you'll qualify to make that um so i would say maybe so if i start playing on the let if i turn pro next year mm-hmm. um i would say maybe another two years two three years from now is um i mean actually yeah, another two years from now if everything goes according to uh, according to the way that i think it will go then yeah i think another two years from now i could definitely mm-hmm. become world mm-hmm. number one and i think just because we have followed a very particular process since i was very young um it definitely has helped me this far and now of course since we are going to continue to follow it it's just going to continue helping me and um yeah i mean we do um so my dad myself and my coach we are always looking at what to do better we never really ever sitting with ourselves and saying okay she's playing well let's just leave it we're always looking at what to do better especially my dad and my coach mm-hmm. uh so i think that um ever improving mindset is definitely something that can that is going to be very helpful in becoming world number 1 because every world number 1 in this world while they are very good they will always think there is something better even though they're the best and i think that having that mindset at home with the coach with all of my coaches is very important and yeah have you ever after achieving a certain milestone or winning a tournament have you ever at that point said yeah this is it i'm not sure if i can do the next has that ever happened or have you been left with a feeling saying yeah this is one of them there's many more to go it's always this is one of the many more to go okay um yeah and and it's never come to you that no i can't do this it's never spoke to you at any point no never and and what i liked was what you said this ever improving mindset this growth yeah. mindset that you constantly keep coming up with yeah. right and so therefore it could also be that there are many other competitors across the world who also have a similar mindset and also use data and technology to come to decisions or to tweak their game or to up their game right so pretty much at this level today many of them would be following similar patterns what do you think you need to do okay to stay a little ahead of the curve or what do you think you need to get further so that you know you don't drop off at that point and and i'm asking you to think through this because this is something that everyone else also will have access to mhm Well, um surprisingly enough there aren't too many people out there that use the launch monitor like I do. Mm-hmm. Um I've been for a lot of tournaments abroad. I've barely seen maybe 3 4 golfers use it. And this is golf amateur golf at the highest level for example. Barely anyone uses it because it makes people think that you know it messes with their mind and it just doesn't they don't like it. So and then when it comes to entering stats again not a lot of people do it. So I Yeah and when it comes to staying ahead i think it's just having this growth mindset that definitely helps i mean to always to never be content with where you are not it's not about being um ungrateful but at the same time you can't be very always happy about it because then you don't want to then you won't want to improve because you would think you're perfect 
So, yeah. and, and you know, right, perfection isn't a real state. And yes. at the same time, perfection is something which is very mythical. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you acknowledge that it's not about, you know, perfect and it's not going to stay there forever. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, a run up to a tournament, an important tournament requires a certain mindset, right? You need to be in the zone. Yeah. What is your nutrition plan like prior to a tournament and then during? What is your mental state? How do you get yourself tournament ready? So uh, nutrition-wise, I'm vegetarian. So, um, you know, really managing food is something that's very important for me because mm-hmm. obviously it's a little limited when you're traveling abroad. Um, so I try to get um, as much of my salads and then load up on carbs. And mm-hmm. I love Asian food. That's how I've been managing as well. And then run up to a tournament, I try to have a one pomegranate every day, a week to 10 days before. Mm-hmm. So that increases, the, uh, increases and improves the oxygen-carrying capacity in mm-hmm. the blood. And when I go play, it definitely makes a huge difference because I was in Abu Dhabi last week. Mm-hmm. I had a pomegranate every single day when I was in Delhi for the Indian Open. And it definitely helped. Like I was not getting tired at all. Mm-hmm. And that obviously is from last week. And then I tried and then I had some even in Abu Dhabi and I was feeling very good. So this is this is something that's very important to prep beforehand. Mm-hmm. And even when you're in the tournament, stocking up on carbs is very important because as you play in hot conditions, you're out there losing a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. Then to get mentally ready um, beforehand, I will um, sit down with dad and then we look at the golf course. So I have a basic idea of what I'm getting into. And again, on up game is where I look at it and it gives you a detailed view of what's um, of what's coming your way. So I know, OK, these are the yardages that I need. These are the clubs I'm going to hit mm-hmm. and I'll go practice it um, for that next full week on the GC quad and really um, perfect my distances. Mm-hmm. And then um, going into the week, um, I have certain planning that I have to do on the golf course. I follow that. And then um, before the tournament, um, what is that certain planning going into the week? So going into the week, when, when I'm in the practice round, um, it's just uh, dropping, uh, it's just putting around the greens and really understanding what the greens do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, before the round, I so the good thing is I don't really take too much um, tension, you can say, before the tournament. I, I like being very relaxed and mm-hmm. that's that's how I've always been. So that's a good thing. So the night before, I will not be freaking out. I'm just very normal about it. And I and I try and calm myself down. I'll try and watch maybe a TV show or something. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. gets me back to normal headspace. And then uh, morning of the tournament... Um, have a pre-shot routine before every shot mm-hmm. and that's something I follow religiously like if you um, were to walk 18 holes with me you will see never changes before every shot mm-hmm. any shot and um, yeah so that's that's that do you ever have those John McEnroe moments where you know you get angry at a certain spot in the golf course and just do you ever have that or multiple multiple <laughs> okay what when does that happen to you when uh, well I hold hold myself to very high standards mm-hmm. in my mind and I think that's a very good thing um, but uh, at times it also kind of gets me a little ticked off when I make really unnecessary errors mm-hmm. and yeah so when that happens again there's a process that I follow when it comes to uh, a breathing routine that I have that I've worked with my psychologist mm-hmm. on and that calms me down so I take like a couple deep breaths and then I'm back to normal. And then um, to distract myself, I have my yardage book. I will look at mm-hmm. that. I will try and maybe draw something in it to really calm myself and distract myself down. 
and then um, eat something, drink something. So the mind's just elsewhere because I think I need about ten seconds to be distracted, and then the all the anger goes away. If I invest ten seconds on it, that's when it kind of little bit becomes a um, cycle mm-hmm. for the next maybe five seven. Mm-hmm. If I just release those ten seconds, everything's fine. Everything's fine, yeah. and and that's something that you've become mindful of. Over in, the years, in the recent past, yes. Over the years, yeah. fantastic. So, um, golf is a game of precision, and at the same time, it's also a game which I believe tests your ability to hold it out um, in the most, um, with the highest equanimity as possible. That means you don't have a high mood or mm-hmm. a low mood. It is what it is, yeah. and you try to stay focused. Now, six, seven hours in the hot, scorching sun of Abu Dhabi or Delhi or Spain or Morocco, wherever in the world, is extremely testing, right? It's extremely mm-hmm. testing. Do you, at that point, you know, um, for maybe sometime think that, could I have not picked something easier in life? Why did I choose something which is not just, you know, complex, but also something that expects me to have the stamina of a marathoner, expects me to have you know, um, the thinking ability of a strategist and expects, and then above all, I'm pretty much all alone. I don't have any teammates here, you know, where I can do fist pumps and all of that. I'm me and the golf course. So how does someone like you mm-hmm. continuously stay positive about this? Uh, so uh, as a lot of people say, when the golf bug bites, it bites. And that's what happened to me at three or 10 months. And I think, um, you know, I've just never really had a time when I've when I've not liked playing. You know, mm-hmm. I've just loved it from the word go. And I think maintaining stamina is just um, when you're playing good golf, you can play 36 holes and you won't get flustered or worried that oh mm-hmm. my god I've played 36 as soon as a li- little bit of a bad day I keep making jokes with dad could you not have put me in an easier sport when my day doesn't <laughs> go my way uh, but uh, yeah and I mean to maintain focus um, again a lot of things that I have to do on the golf course mm-hmm. while it looks like it's a very calm sport there are about 72 things that you have to look into before hitting one shot and there's mm-hmm. For example, my grip has to go two centimeters off for me to miss the ball 10 yards left. Mm. Two mm. centimeters. Mm. Right? So and that's, that's just that's barely. Exactly. It's not even noticeable yeah. to the human eye. Mm. And things like that. So I think maintaining um, focus for six, seven hours is tough. But if you're constantly doing what you do every day and you have a process behind it and you're following it religiously, I think it just doesn't feel different when you go from country to country. It just feels the same and weather doesn't ever make a difference because it just feels like you've done the same thing every day. So it's like the Japanese, um, you know, the Japanese phenomenon of the yeah. ikigai. Mm-hmm. So you are constantly in your ikigai, right? Yes. You love what you're doing, you're trained for it, it makes a difference yeah. uh, to the world of sport and you're getting paid for it and you're enjoying it. Yes. So it's it's something that you've carved your identity yeah. out of, Okay. Um, is there something about you, Avni, that is also outside of golf? You know, I, I know you're brilliant in academics also. Are you, is there anything else about you that, you know, you'd like to share and inspire, you know, all the other people your age? Well, I think um, something that is a little bit overlooked is playing another sport when you're playing, mm-hmm. um, when you're, so let's say I used to play very good football till I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that really built built my lower body strength and I think that's how I'm able to hit the ball as far as I do Mm -hmm. and yeah I think playing a 
playing another sport is very important because one golf is an individual sport so really building the team spirit is important while you may not use it on the golf course it's important to have it as a life skill mm-hmm. um and also at the same time to prioritize um it's very easy to be doing everything and not be um focusing on the one thing that you want to do so that's why from a very early age dad was clear that um golf is uh, that maybe school will take the back seat school friends social life have to take the back seat um golf is always going to be main priority and therefore we worked around golf always it was never golf working around something and um golf was done it was school school was done then maybe time for friends so i think really prioritizing is very very important and and that's the way to do it right yeah. if you love something and you want to be good at it and you want to build your life around it then you build your life around it so we i had a guest over here she's a phenomenal dancer in one of my previous episodes and she said as i'm growing older i want to be in the dance form you know mm-hmm. i may not be dancing but i want to be in the dance in the world of dance so she continued to make herself useful and even now she's performing beautifully so but she looks at her future right and and that's the kind of passion that um yeah. that you know that is inspiring and right here sitting in this podcast space with you i am thoroughly inspired now I'm, i'm vividly imagining um all those arguments i've had with my spouse at home who's also a golf addict and plays a lot of golf thinking my god i mean how can he be so disconnected <laughs> he's off and incommunicado and now i think because of you avni thank you i'm able to empathize with uh what possibly is the need for that kind of prep and it's amazing When I was reading about you I noticed that you have a whole big team behind you you know your dad is obviously your biggest anchor and your beacon but in addition to your dad there are a lot of professionals around you coaches nutritionists you know your fitness and every one of them I'm sure everyone means their best and gives you their best right and so there's a lot of advice coming into you a lot of do this don't do this and there must be overlapping sometimes they must be separate sometimes and there must be at times conflicting sometimes complementing how do you decide what to take how much to take what to leave and when to leave so um again from when i started playing we have always stuck to one coach in one area mm-hmm. so lawrence brotheridge is my golf coach janki ma'am is my psychologist and then declan latau is my snc coach so i've never really let multiple people come into the same field so therefore there is always one opinion getting passed on and you know all of these guys everyone goes hand in hand because my psychologist helps with my golf my snc helps with my golf and then my golf helps my um snc coach to let him know what to work on um so really nothing um come they don't there's no disagreeing that happens because they don't really have anything to like say to each other everything that they will say comes to me and it's all from different sides because i have only one professional and i think one very important thing is to always trust the professional because they know best and i think that's where um a lot of people don't do that so mm-hmm. i think trusting the professional and trusting their experience behind it is very important um so yeah and then with dad and i um of course we will have a couple of debates but uh, that gets sorted out so between um lorenzo myself and my dad we of course do have a couple times where i don't think something's right and they think it is and we'll sit down and then let's say i if it's me hitting on the gc quad about um a particular shot which i'm not a fan of mm-hmm. i will show it to them and if i don't like it um 
Lawrence understands, dad understands, and then they just let me be the best judge of it, which is good because which is yeah, yeah, all the professionals need to let me be the judge of it at the end of the day. So that's how my team works, and I think yeah, it's been working great. And so, so if there was someone listening into you who's also playing a sport and has a similar situation like you, I think the takeaway for them is learn to be objective, take the advice, uh, trust that they mean the best for you. Take their advice, be objective. If you don't like something, voice it. it out, but say it objectively as to why. Yeah. And and I think they would be able to appreciate and understand. Yeah. But trust their advice because they're also the experts. Yes. Fantastic. So there's no flashpoints over Correct. here. And and obviously at times there could be moments where you are the superstar and you may feel that look I'm the superstar I know better. And at that crux moment, okay, how do you step back between feeling obligated and appreciating their advice? Because so, you said they were they were with you for a very long yes. time, right? And there are times when you you're the superstar. Ah, uh, so with my coach, um, actually with my dad as well. So all three mm-hmm. of us do have um, uh, debates on what I should do on the golf course, and a couple times they will come to me and say, you know what, this is better to do, mm-hmm. and I will be like, no, because I will. I'm playing the golf course. I know that this is not what to do, but. uh on paper it would seem like the perfect thing to do perfect way to plan but it's really not and at the end of the day it's my decision and since i've played and i've been there i would trust myself just a little bit more because i think um playing golf when my gut tells me something is wrong it's it's wrong and i think my dad also trusts me 100% with when i say i don't think something's going to work it's not going to work lorenzo also trusts me the same mm-hmm. way so therefore um there's never really a time i felt obligated to listen because in in my team it's all about um a, it's a conversation it's not any delegation that happens it's us always discussing and yeah so that's how it's just been a very healthy environment that way that's why i've never felt like okay so now sir saying this i can't say anything back mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just having conversations are very important to really understand both sides and and what i'm understanding from everything that you're narrating to me avni is that there's so much of psychological safety in agreement disagreement in everyone working towards a common goal and this is phenomenal i and i'm sure you understand how significant it is to add to your overall performance you know it's it's a very fortunate ecosystem that you have yes. you know built up step by step and you have attracted these mm-hmm. kind of energies towards you fabulous so avni i know i don't want to hold you back for too long but there's a very important thing that i want to know what's next on your agenda for you so let's talk about what's immediately coming up and tell me a little about your long term development plan as well uh so i have the let qualifiers mm-hmm. next week the european tour qualifiers um stage 1 mm-hmm. and then after that i have another uh, tournament in spain which mm-hmm. is a european tour event hopefully if i do well in that it helps me break into the top 50 in the world which is a goal i set out at the beginning of this year so, so i'm wishing you luck already thank for that thank you so much yeah? and then after that if i and then i have the uh, uh, national championship in pune um and then if i make it through next week's event if i make if i'm in the top 3 for next week's event i go to morocco and i play the final stage hopefully make it through that and then start playing the 2024 season as a professional mm-hmm. so that's the um current goal right now and then um next years is to um turn uh, play on the L- play the lpga qualifiers mm-hmm. in america and start playing on the lpga in 2025 because that's eventually um where how i will become world number 1 because most of the points are mm-hmm. there best tournaments are there and long term goal to play in the olympics and mm-hmm. yeah 
Fantastic. So I saw a picture of yours outside Augusta. Okay. What did you feel when you went in there and you stood there at Augusta? Honestly, it is much much better than I had imagined it to be. It was mm-hmm. unreal. Like you know, um, the golf course is unreal. It's mm-hmm. just so picturesque. It's impossible to imagine that someone would have kept a golf course like this. And I think just playing there is just the greatest honor I could have because women professionals don't have tournaments there. Mm-hmm. And to be one of the seventy-two amateurs in the world was just fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I hopefully get to go again next year. Who is your role model in golf? Ah, uh, Nelly Korda is. Mm-hmm. Um, she's young. She's really, really good at golf. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really, really good. Um, in long in her long game, which is something that I'm also good at. And she's, ah, uh, one. She's a multiple. She's a five-time winner on the LPGA mm-hmm. as well. So she's someone that's very inspiring. She had a fantastic twenty twenty-one season, and also someone else is um. Lexi Thompson for her mm-hmm. long game, mm-hmm. Lydia Ko for her putting, mm-hmm. and I think above everyone, it's of course Tiger Woods. I think you know seeing him get into the sport at three years, ten months, three years as well, <laughs> is is just great. I think um, yeah, I just want to be as good as he is. I want to be the Tiger Woods of women's golf, and even better. Yes, <laughs> that's fantastic. So so, um, my last two questions, okay, for you. One is. Avni, as you continue to pursue excellence in golf, is there anything about you that could pull you back? I can actually heal. Anything that you want to shed? I uh, feel like after a bad performance, I'm a little too hard on myself. I mm-hmm. don't again because I hold myself to very high standards. It works when I'm playing well. It could be. It's not the best thing when you're not playing well, and I think um, that's something that I'm definitely trying to work on, because in this sport you unfortunately lose a lot more than you win. Mm-hmm. Um, like Tiger's winning percentage was twenty two percent, and he's considered the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think um, definitely taking it a lot easier on myself is something I'm trying to work on. Mm-hmm. And on the golf course, you know, um, again. Not being too hard on myself. This is this something after a bad performance. Not be too hard on myself, and even on the golf course, mm-hmm. because people are going to make mistakes. It's just the nature of the sport. So to really sit back and think that okay, you know, Avni, you are also human. So mm-hmm. please try and relax, and then mm-hmm. to not get really, not get very angry on the golf course for sure, and to give myself that breathing space and work from there instead of letting it be a downhill moment for me. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. My last question to you. I see you wearing the India jersey. Mm-hmm. It gives me a lot of honor to see you wearing yeah. that India jersey. Great moment of pride for Thank me. You so, much. you know, congratulations. You've earned it. It's not everyone who Thank gets you. that jersey. So, for the young people in sport in India, what is that one big resounding message Avni Prashant wants to share? um one uh when you're going for practice please always um measure, first go with a plan do mm-hmm. not go there and procrastinate um try and spend only a limited amount of time there for your um in a way force that i have to do th- this this and this mm-hmm. and also every time you're going measure what you're doing mm-hmm. when you're um, going to play so therefore you always know you're getting better mm-hmm. and as uh, virat kohli says you want to be 1% better every day and that's who i look up to because i think that gives a very positive message about going about being out there for practice that you don't have to better yourself by a lot 1% does it and yeah i think do um measuring what you're doing and um planning what to do before practice is very important 
and also at the end of the day coming back and looking at okay i've done everything that i wanted to and also planning again what to do so if anyone wants to reach out to you avni they want to hear your story connect with you or just be friends with you where can they find you um on avni prashant instagram that's it just avni fantastic prashant, yeah. so avni can be found on avni prashant on instagram that's it that's right it. fantastic and her name is spelled as a v a n i P R A S H A N T H right fantastic so avni i have so many more questions mm-hmm. for you i would love to chat right through the night but i do believe you have a grueling schedule tomorrow morning and you have a great tournament schedule coming up for you so my best wishes to you, you avni and you know for you to turn pro for you to wear that india jersey continue to make us proud and i'm going to be there cheering for you when you bring home the gold so go for it make us proud and i am amazed by your confidence you have brought to us um, so much of energy so much to look forward to in life um, your parents your parents and uh, their immense faith in you your sister here is also a prodigy all of them i'm sure the confluence of all that is going to take you places go make us proud and we're all here for you thank you very much for being here on clarity avni thank you so much for having me it's been great Fantastic. Fantastic and I'd love to have you back again sure. hearing more of your accolades. Yeah. Good. So listeners, I acknowledge that adapting to new patterns can be both complex and tough, but not impossible. For example, we just heard Avni Prashant speak about her journey, speak about her schedule and share with us what she goes through. She truly has the mind of a champion. She is a winner to watch out for. Therefore, It's very important for us to understand that though many of our emotions play out their own charade, making us feel low and lousy sometimes without actually knowing why, and sometimes putting us in places where success is taken for granted, we often must understand that these emotions can keep playing back their own charade and in turn help us feel great or help us feel sad. So therefore, True Clarity, a podcast series designed to create a safe space for conversations and reflections. I feel comfortable talking to my guests, sharing with them my questions, asking them about their vulnerabilities with the hope that you find a connection, a meaning and a way ahead just in case you find something similar. So if this episode of Clarity strikes a chord with you and if you are very inspired by Avni Prashant Don't forget to share your story with us on our LinkedIn and Instagram page, Vital Science Consults, or on Twitter at Janvi_Gurja8. Don't forget to look us up on www.vitalscienceconsults.com. Also, please like, share, and subscribe to Clarity on our socials. Until next time, then this is Janvi Gurja signing off and thanking Avni Prashant for being here at Clarity. I want to wish her luck in her journey forward. and i will be there cheering for you avni when i'm going to be there cheering for you i'm also going to be inviting anyone and everyone listening to us please get there cheer for avni avni is going to turn pro soon and avni is going to bring us home that gold medal from the olympics in paris thank you so much good thank luck you so much. avni thank you